Hallelujah. It it has been a while, but finally, finally, some actual news and new products from Apple. I mean, it's been what? How, how long has it been? It's been a while, but the sad thing is that we have you know news, we have something to talk about, but out of all the things that could have been announced, I guess it's up there with AirTags is one of the smaller... Eh, I mean, it's cool that we got a new iPhone, but eh, it's not like new iPhone 12 status, but it, it still should make for a very interesting show, Matt. Yeah, so we have the new 2020 iPhone SE, and like like you were saying, there's really no surprises here. But before we get into that, uh, we want to hear from you. So we have a phone number that you can call, and if I was you know any sort of prepared, I would have it in front of me. But Robert, what is that number? You know, Matt, I'm just like you. My level of preparedness is not where it should be, so I'm going to bring that up right now. While I do that, though, yeah, if you guys have questions, you got comments, you have concerns, you have a, a Mac issue that you just can't seem to fix... Or if you just want to, you know, say hi, say, hey, we, we'd appreciate it. You can give us a call. The number is 949-354-3508. We'll put it in the show notes as well, but don't worry. It's going to go straight to voicemail. No one is on the other end. You can just call and leave a message. Let us know your name, where you're calling from, and just your message. You, you like the podcast. You got a, some insight about Apple. You got a question, a comment. We'd love to hear whatever it is. Uh, we want to hear from you. So give us a call uh, and you could be featured on the next episode of the Apple Circle podcast. There we go. Yeah, great. And then also, I know some people don't really want to call necessarily. So if you want to you know, follow us over on Twitter at the Apple Circle, same thing goes there. Ask us a question and uh, actually probably answer in more real time. But you know, if it's a good question, we'll answer it yeah, here on the episode. Brad sent us a question. We answered Brad's question on uh, the last episode. So keep them coming. Yeah. Yep. And a final piece of housekeeping. If you enjoyed these episodes, be sure to leave them five stars on iTunes. That's iTunes. I don't know why I called it iTunes. It's back in the day now. Now we're getting retro. <laughs> yeah. But uh, on Apple Podcasts, go leave it a five stars because really that's the only metric that anyone has. So the more good reviews we get, the more people can listen. So we really appreciate it. But enough of all that. Let's get into this new iPhone. So, I mean, We've talked about it before in previous episodes, but it finally came out. We have been speculating when it would come out because of all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. But it seems like, you know, Apple decided just screw it. Let's actually just release it. So on the 15th, we got this new iPhone SE. So, Berto, what, what do we have here? So we have basically what is the iPhone 8 body with the internals of the iPhone 11. So you've got the A13 Bionic processor, you've got the same 12 megapixel wide camera from the 11 and the 11 Pro, Uh, you have uh, Touch ID, you don't have Face ID, you have Touch ID, uh, which is a little bit of a, a step backwards for some people, but I think that the the main uh, target audience for this phone probably won't care as much. Uh, you've got a beautiful display, uh, retina display. Uh, you got the lightning port. I mean, you you basically have all of the uh, internals, the guts of the higher end iPhone in the body and the look of an older iPhone. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. And all of that for a price tag that is one of the best deals in tech right now. And out of all the companies, everybody loves to claim uh, Apple doesn't care about consumers and they love to criticize Apple's pricing. $399 for this phone, I think everyone can agree, Android or iOS, put your, your allegiance aside, this is a good deal. Yeah, definitely. Now, there is one thing that you mentioned that 
I've seen some kind of back and forth, but I think we finally have an answer. I, I'm gonna, just going to trust Rene Ritchie. I mean, this is what he said, so I'm just going to trust him because he actually, you know, he kind of gets his information from the source. But the camera is not from the iPhone 11. Really? Which, yeah. So apparently the camera is the same hardware as what you get in the iPhone 8. So the same sensor and the same optics, but it has all the processing power from the iPhone 11. So it should still be a better camera, but it's not. It's not the 10R or the 11 camera, which is, I mean, that's a little bit disappointing because when the first iPhone SE was released, it had the new processor and one of the other features that it had that was new was that camera from the iPhone 6, I believe, or the 6S, one of those. So, I mean, in reality, now when you look at this phone, it's basically just a new processor, nothing really else here. But like you said, I mean, it's 400 bucks and it's a, you know, a new phone, which means most importantly, I think it's going to be supported for the next four or five years. Right. And I think that's the big play is that you have, you know, iOS 13 right now, you have iOS 14 coming uh, in the fall officially. And you know with Apple that there is so much headroom in these processors that you will not take full advantage of this A13 until maybe a couple iOS versions down the road. So you buy this phone now and you're going to have a phone that's going to last three or four years, no problem. And I think that you know, we often, you know, myself included, we look at things from a perspective of our ourselves as kind of these techie people. Like, you know, you know, the 11 Pro doesn't have this, or I wish that this phone would have this, or 120 hertz display, yada, yada, yada. I think for the target audience for this phone, $400, their priorities are different. They want a reliable phone. They want good battery life. They want a good camera. They want something that's going to be relatively fast. I can't think of something that the average person wouldn't look for in a phone that this doesn't deliver on, and you don't have to pay some crazy amount of money to get it. Right. Yeah, I keep, you know, of course, the internet is a cesspool of comments and going back and forth between people who just hate each other, it seems like. <laughs> so, of course, with the new iPhone, there's there's no shortage of that. And I keep seeing people say, you know, this is basically you know, the iPhone 8S, like there's nothing new here. It doesn't do anything interesting. It's, oh, it's a sub 720p or 720p display in 2020. But you really just have to remind yourself for someone who goes into the Apple store and is like, I want the cheapest iPhone. Do you really think they care that the phone screen is not you know, 450 pixels per inch or anything like, of course not. That's not who this is advertised to. That's not who this phone is for. It's for those people who want to get into the ecosystem and just don't want to spend a lot of money. You're also talking too about, um, you know, things from the consumer perspective. We talked a lot about this uh, on previous episodes about, you know, everybody goes into the store and they always want to see what is my monthly price? What is my price out the door? Not really the retail price, but what am I actually going to be paying? And, you know, with the higher end iPhones, you know, there's a bunch of different payment programs and you can finance it through a carrier. You can go through Apple, whatever it is, you're paying what, 50, 60 bucks at least for, or maybe a little bit less for the 11, but for the 11 Pro, you're paying at least, you know, that amount for the higher end iPhone. For the SE, assuming you have no trade-in and you go just with one of the base configurations for 400 bucks if you want to finance that through a carrier through apple it's less than 17 dollars. it's 16.62 a month to finance that phone with nothing down i mean it's just right. what what a deal 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people that don't live in the United States don't really understand that, you know, because I've I've always heard that in other countries, they just buy the phone outright. We've always had subsidies here. So you'd buy it through the carrier, you'd pay like 200 bucks, and then you kind of pay it off for the rest of the year through your contract. And that hasn't really changed much. Most people still don't buy their phone outright. They go to the carrier, like you said, and they want to know what is that monthly price and less than 20 bucks for a brand new iPhone. That's that's crazy. I mean, even if you put like 200 down or 100 bucks down, I mean, you're still going to cut that that number down significantly. And it's just, it's a deal. And I think about all the people in my family who don't need even on 11. Like, yeah, you know, they like to have a, a newer phone and they want the benefits of the new iPhone, but they don't really need the bigger display or they don't really need two lenses on the camera system. It's just, it's a very compelling phone. Probably not something that either you or I would ever choose, uh, but definitely one that people are interested in. So I, I don't know, Matt, what are your your kind of initial thoughts on this? I know, like you said, there's been some, some feedback. There's been some criticism. Obviously, this is a big deal for Apple because Apple loves to make money. Obviously, they had the <laughs> shells for the iPhone 8 sitting around. I think they said that I saw a quote somewhere that they had sold 500 million either iPhone 8s or 500 million of this particular screen size because there was this whole debate about screen size and if this is too big, too small. But all that aside, what are your kind of general thoughts on this new SE? I mean, obviously, it makes a ton of sense from Apple's perspective. Like, of course, they're going to sell so many of this phone. I I don't it's going to be crazy. I can't see this phone not selling well. So from that perspective, from Apple's perspective, I totally get it. I'm still of the mind of the reason the SE was so loved and so maybe not popular. Like I think the reason it sold pretty well was because of the price. It was the, you know, that low price. I think it was $400 also, right? For that I, original I, SE. I, I believe so. It, it was around there if it wasn't exactly 400, but I think that's probably why it sold so well. But I think the reason it was so loved is because it was tiny, you know, at least compared to what was on the market at the time. So like you had the 6S Max or whatever, and then you can go all the way down to this 4.5 inch screen, 4.5, no, four inch screen. Four inch screen. I mean, it's, yeah, the iPhone 5 design is tiny. And I'm of the camp that wishes we had that option still. And yes, technically, you know, this is the small iPhone. It's the smallest of the bunch. But with those big bezels on the top and bottom, it actually ends up being the same size as the 10s, or not the 10s, the uh, 11 Pro, which is what I use. And it, you know, it's it's definitely smaller than most phones, but it's not a small phone by any means. So I'm of the camp of wishing that's what we had. But you know, I see it from Apple's perspective, and more importantly, I see it from like the perspective of you know some of my family members or some people that I know who, I mean, these phones are expensive, so they don't care like they just want a phone that works and let's be real a lot of them just want an iphone so this is a great entry for them a part of me i guess kind of the question that pops in my mind with this is do you think that there's any and i'm sure apple has done the research on this i guarantee it so they have the answer for this but is there any segment of the market that was probably going to go for an 11 that now that this is an option, be like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go for this because it is cheaper, even though still the price difference is, what, 300 bucks, so it's not a huge deal. But for those who are looking at both, do you think that we're going to see more people choose the SE over the 11, or do you think that the 11 offers enough in value that would get people to be swayed to go that over the SE? I don't know. I mean, I think what the 11 has going for it well, at least right now, we don't know how the SE is going to be marketed, but is the marketing behind it? Like the uh, the 11 is heavily advertised. So I think that's the kind of aspirational, I want this new iPhone phone. But I think more interestingly, 
what will sell better, the SE or the 10R? Because the 10R is still for sale. You go into the Apple store, they, that's still, you can get a brand new 10R. I mean, I, I think this is going to kill the 10R market. I don't, I don't see, like, so I, th- I think the 10R is $600, 500 Yeah, uh, 600 I, let me Let me look. I think yeah. it's 600 I believe it's 600 So, I mean, at that point, like, you're, I mean, the phone's not that different. You're actually getting a better processor than you're getting in the 10R. I mean, in theory, you could get better battery life because it's a a much smaller screen and lower resolution. Although the battery size in this SE is tiny. It's like not even 2,000 milliamp hours. So, I mean, that's yet to be seen. There's some like pros and cons between the 10R, but I think really the 10R is where you should kind of look at. Like, does the 10R even need to exist at this point? Yeah, that's that definitely, you know, begs the question and the thought that it probably will be killed. I mean, I can't imagine the 10R staying around. I mean... The whole reason that Apple usually would keep these older iPhones around was because, okay, so when the new fleet would come in, that people would have an option that was still good, but it was cheaper. But now the SE, I mean, I'm looking at Apple has kind of a compare models page on the Apple Store website. I mean, you're getting a bigger screen with the 10R, but... Besides that, the SE is better. You're getting a faster processor. Uh, You know, the screen's just as good. Yeah, you don't get Face ID. That's something. But I think at the end of the day, do people really care that much about Face ID? I'm not sure. So I I think... I don't think normal people do, no. I think the 10R has its days numbered. And I think that once we hit this new fall release of new iPhones, there will not be a 10R. It'll probably be the SE. The 12, uh, which is supposed to be two models, then two models of the 12 Pro. So it'll be a very interesting change to the lineup. It makes so much sense from Apple's perspective for this to exist. You also have to think, too, from Apple's perspective. Obviously, they are a company that's in the business, like I guess any company that is going to love to make money. And now the, the profit margins on this must be insane because... They already have the shells. They already have the components. They're basically just swapping in a new processor. And if that idea that the the camera is the same than that was in the uh, the iPhone eight before, then I mean, basically, there's very minimal changes in the production uh, cycle for this phone. That the profit margins for four hundred bucks, they must be making a lot of money uh, back from this because it's it's a win win for everybody. It's a win for them for sure. Yeah, I mean, I. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember, you know, uh, an iPhone, let's just say six, same body and, 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 you know, build of this SE was, you know, what, like $700 when it was new. Mm-hmm. I remember at the time it basically cost them like 120 bucks to actually produce. So the rest was just profit. It was around that. I mean, those aren't the exact numbers, but it was around that. It was, it was a staggering difference between what it actually cost between, you know, the actual components and everything to what they sold it for. I mean, this this design is what? How, how many years is this? iPhone 6 till now. I mean, I don't even know. How many generations? It's been, <laughs> I, I mean, do. the iPhone 6 was what, 20, I want to say 2014, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah 2014, like, I think. Cause I'm, 2014. So, I mean, six years of the same basic, you know, design. I mean, there's been tweaks here and there, but I mean, not really. So you got to imagine those profit margins are just crazy. I'll never forget that year I was sitting in my dorm room. I was a freshman in college and I had printed out these, the uh, cutouts of the six and the six plus, because that was when like, you know, you had to make a pre-order and no one knew what the sizes were. And it was the first time the iPhone was going to be that big. And I have, there's a picture on my Twitter account from a while ago that I was literally sitting there and I'll never forget. I had a cutout of the six and the six plus. I was trying to figure out, Hmm, should I go for the bigger one or should I go for the smaller one? And it's cool to see that design live on, for so long. And like you said, six years now, they must be masters at producing this thing. They've got it down to a science. It just makes sense. I know there was the dream from so many people that we would see 
the body of the Eleven come down we'd get face id maybe we'd get like this retro mashup like with this old style of the old se uh body with the new components and a snotch with face id and all this stuff and it all sounded really cool but that would have been more expensive and kind of would have defeated the purpose of what this phone is intended to do and that is allow customers to get an iphone for a very affordable and attainable price. So it makes sense that it is what it is. What do you think, Matt, about the name? Because now we had all thought it was going to be the 9, the 9, the 9. Now, as we kind of get, get closer to the fall, I think I understand a little bit more why they didn't go with the 9. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great move that they didn't go 9 because it, 9 would imply that it's a brand new phone in some way, shape, or form, right? right? So like, they when you look at it they really just changed the colors they put the logo in the middle of the phone and they updated the processor so if they called that the nine i mean that's a horrible update no one who has an eight would then upgrade to the nine that wouldn't make any sense but the se kind of implies you know it's this kind of one-off uh version of this phone that you know it, it has some of these other features that are a little bit older but you know we're giving you that price it's the special edition you also have to think too like apple has been very criticized uh and, you know, kind of rightfully so sometimes on like their very confusing naming lineup, like the MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, the MacBook, all that stuff. And the same has kind of been said about the iPhone. You know, you think about it, the iPhone 9 would have been very confusing because you have the 9, then you have the 10, then you have the 10R and the 10S, and then you have the 11. Not only is that confusing, but right now the iPhone 9 makes sense because you have the 9 and you have, you know, the 11. But what happens in the fall when it's the 12? Now is this phone that's only been out for you know, six months, uh, you know, decades old now. Like it just, it makes it seem so yeah. much older that the SC kind of, it almost is like on its own timetable. Like it's the special edition, so we can update it whenever we feel is necessary. And there also is no pressure from Apple to update this because consumers aren't necessarily thinking, okay, another year, another, you know, iPhone SC. We haven't seen an update to this phone in so long that I don't think this is going to get the once a year treatment that the 11 and the 12 and kind of the upper echelon of iPhones will get. Maybe this is an iPhone that we don't see up upgraded for, you know, every other year, maybe every three years. I mean, do you think this is going to get yearly updates or it's just kind of whenever Apple deems necessary? No, I don't think so. I think this is just a holdover for Apple so that they can bring down the component costs of the kind of edge to edge screen and face ID so that that can be cheap enough to, you know, fill that, you know, 500, whatever the iPhone eight cost. The SE is just kind of the holdover so that they can get all those prices down. Cause that's kind of what they did with the original SE. Like it was a older design. It had the older features. So they kind of, you know, brought this in as their kind of cheap phone over time, the prices of the six and six plus, you know, design eventually got cheaper. The screen sizes got cheaper and all that kind of stuff so now it fills in that gap and we're kind of in that same move again the question is how long will that take is it if it's going to take four years for the prices to come down cheap enough which i don't think they will but if if that's the case then will we see an update to this that i don't know i i don't think we're going to see an update to this ever i think they'll just kill it when uh, when the time comes i mean if you think about it this is the perfect phone for kids it's the perfect phone for teens it's the perfect phone for parents it is just the the default iphone to recommend if you really don't need face id you don't really care about the camera that much uh then it just makes so much sense to go with this phone it just it just seems like the default choice to go and i, I think that you got to give apple credit everybody always complains about prices but this is one that is affordable 
It is, you know, gives you a lot of value for 400 bucks. They could have cut corners. They could have put a, an A12 in there. They could have done a lot less. Uh, but I, I think it looks, it looks to be like a pretty good option, man. I don't know. I, there, there, there's a lot to say, but there's also not a lot to say because it, it, it can stand alone on its own as a great option and a great value and criticize it all you want. But the people, people are going to go in droves to pick up this phone. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I tweeted this yesterday. I don't think Apple would do this, but if they want to sell a ton of stuff, this is a great way to do it. But 750 bucks, technically like 760 before tax, but 750 bucks gets you a brand new iPhone SE. It gets you an Apple Watch Series 3, brand new. Apple still sells that. And it gets you AirPods first gen, brand new. So 750 bucks, less than the price of an iPhone 11. <laughs> or, or, or at the very least, it's like very similarly right. priced. You get... You get Apple Watch, iPhone, and AirPods. If you if they sold a bundle with that, they would sell so much of that. I mean, I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, you could get all that for like I was, you know, looking at the iPad Pros, and that's less than an iPad Pro by yeah, on its own. I mean, exactly. that is, and you know, for the people who go for the SE, I mean, the series, they, they don't care about the four and the five like this one, an Apple Watch and AirPods. I mean, talk about the yeah. ultimate Apple starter pack. Uh, this is uh, that's totally the way to go. Which also though makes me think. Wouldn't it be so cool if they did an Apple Watch upgrade program that you could just get a new watch every oh, year? Which nice. I know they wouldn't do that, but I mean that one make that makes sense because like it's one of those products that people don't want to upgrade because they're like, well, I mean it's not that different. But if you're on the upgrade program, then you'll be like, well, I'll just upgrade, of course. So I mean, it's just, it seems like free money for Apple in the long run, at least. Like, of course, up front, it's not. But in the long run, it seems like it would be free money. Well, I guess the argument from Apple must be like it must be kind of harder to sell uh, refurb Apple watches than it would be to sell refurb iPhones, which I totally get that. But even, uh, yeah, that makes sense. But even if like the watch is, let's say, like 450 bucks, uh, you know, you you pay, you know, 50, 60 percent of that, you pay what, 20 bucks a month? for an Apple Watch upgrade program, that'd be so cool. I'd totally do that. Yeah. By the way, the iPhone 11 starts at $699 for 64 So 50 bucks more, you get a brand new iPhone, you get an Apple Watch, and you get AirPods. I mean, I, I, I mean that that's the deal right there. I would argue the value you'd get from that package is way more than you get from the 11. I mean, com let's complete the ecosystem here. Like, you got the AirPods, you got the Apple Watch, you got the iPhone, you have way more value than you do with the 11. I mean, that's the entry into Apple ecosystem. That's what I'm saying. Apple needs to sell this as a bundle. You get people to buy that package, they're never going to leave the Apple ecosystem. Oh, that sounds so cool. Ah, yeah. I, I'm excited to check it out. And I will say that uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. So tomorrow, by the time this episode is out, the iPhone SE will already be available for pre-order. But I do want to ask, Matt, in the spirit of Apple and the spirit of, you know, we're all Apple enthusiasts here. We love uh, all this stuff. As someone who has gone through the pre-order process probably more than a few times on different phones, you know, the SE probably won't be, uh, you know, a runaway success or super hard to find out of the gate. But what would you recommend to someone who maybe is taking this as kind of a, a practice runner who wants to learn right now, okay, I want to get ready for the pre-order process for the 12, because we're, we're, we're doing a pre-order process tomorrow. What are some tips to make sure you can get your iPhone uh, a successful pre-order and get it on launch day? If you are part of the upgrade program, this is your biggest advantage. So when you're part of the upgrade program, it's basically a loan, right? It's a no interest loan. So you just pay it off every month. And then when the new iPhone comes out, you trade in your old phone and they give you the new one for either the same price or, you know, adjusted depending on the purchase price of whatever phone you got. Now, because of that, that means they have all your information in the system. You already have this loan. They want you to get a new loan because I mean, obviously that's what the upgrade program is about. 
So they let you actually pre-approve and select which phone you want to get. So instead of doing that all on the early morning or late night, depending on where you are in the world, uh, when that new iPhone comes out, instead of scrambling and you know hoping that all the phones aren't gone by the time you finish this checkout process, you can just hit the one button, you're already pre-approved, it knows exactly which phone you want, and there you go, you got your phone. I, I think I've done that the last year, I think I might have done it the year before as well, but it was by far the easiest easiest uh, checkout process for a new phone that I've ever had. That's definitely helped, I will say, that helps with the process, but whether or not you want to get it shipped to you or pick up and sort, that's always been a little dicey. And if you don't have the iPhone upgrade program, it can be challenging. It can be very challenging to go on the site, which is now I will say, I think a for East Coast uh, individuals, probably a more advantage advantageous yeah. time because it's 8 a.m. Eastern for them, 5 a.m. Pacific, which even though I will say that if you're on the East Coast, and you're like trying to get to work. That's probably not the best time. But besides that's besides I think right point. now, it's OK. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, right During now it's actually pretty good. Uh, this time. But 5 a.m. you gotta you have to be on there. And my, my tip is I'll give you my my insider tips for this, what I've done over the years. Time.gov, you have the official, you know, US time website up. <laughs> so as soon as the the clock strikes midnight, or in this case 5 a.m., you just start refreshing. And for the best chance, you got to be on the computer and be on the Apple Store app because I found, at least in recent years, the app has been much more reliable. Much better. And has been yep. up much faster than uh, the website. Also, another pro tip for you, since we're throwing out pro tips for iPhones, uh, be sure to, like before like the keynote even begins, or I, I guess you have some time in between there, but but like let's say just a day before the iPhone pre-order begins. So if it's going to go, let's say tomorrow's Friday, today, like right now, Thursday afternoon, I should be going into the Apple Store app. I should be double checking my payment information. I'd be at, make sure I add anything I want to use to Apple Pay. I want to make sure my shipping address is correct. I want to make sure all the little fine uh, details are all uh, you know good to go and ironed out because the last thing you want to do is try to have to verify all that information while you're trying to pre-order the iPhone, which can be a nightmare. I'm trying to think, Matt. What yeah. has been what's been the worst year for pre-orders? Uh, whatever year, I can't remember which one it was, but whatever year was the year that you couldn't do pre-orders. That was the worst. Uh, <laughs> I, what was that? I think that was the iPhone six. <sighs> I think it was a five Success, five maybe? S uh, one of those. It was in that in that yeah. range of years, but that was horrible. That was the night I pulled an all nighter outside the Apple Store, which you know was fun, and I'm kind of glad I did it in retrospect. But it, it was not a great time while I was doing it. Let's see what I can't think of. You know, for the last couple of years, I've been you know trying to be smarter about it, and I really haven't had any issues. I think the biggest issue is I think for the iPhone Seven, they didn't have the particular version I wanted. So I had to settle for something else, but that was kind of the worst. Like I still got a phone. It just wasn't, I had to like get the next tier up of space or something like that. Uh, but kind of going back to what you said, like this goes for the upgrade program too. make sure your information is correct in the Apple system. And if you're doing the upgrade program, make sure your information is correct for your carrier because they have to uh, verify with the carrier that everything matches. And if it doesn't, if there's something that's kind of weird, then it'll kick you out and you have to go fix it. And you, you can do that during that process but it's just another step that might lead to uh you not getting a phone and you also kind of mentioned it but maybe hit on it even more definitely use apple pay mm -hmm. that is the one click you're done it's ready to go it's getting shipped to you and that's i think the best way also another thing i mean this obviously doesn't work for everyone but if you're near an apple store doing the pickup might actually be the better option because i mean it really just depends where you are but like say you know your ups gets here at like 
what, like 8 p.m. or something, like super late. Well, maybe doing store pickup for 8 a.m. is actually the better way to go because you can just, you're going to have to wait in line a little bit, but it'll probably end up being more like 20 minutes rather than all night. <laughs> but there's different options. Mainly just make sure all your information is squared away. I, have you had a bad experience with pre-ordering? I, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I have, but I can't think of it. Actually, I will say I've been trying to be very prepared every year and I haven't had, I, I'm going to knock on wood right now and just say I haven't had an experience where I didn't get a phone on launch day. I, I usually had everything pretty pretty much ready to go. And that was like with the, you know, the biggest bottleneck used to be the carriers. And you had to make sure you had all your carrier information because you had to have the social of the account holder and the pin and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, everything's exactly. been pretty good. I will say, to Matt's point, I had an issue last year with my um, with my upgrade program. I had to deal with you know making sure all that information was right and the verification with Citizens One, and that can kind of be a pain. And last year was the first year I went to do the in-store pickup. Usually I always did UPS, but that can always be a little bit dicey. So I'm like, ah, I'll just go to the Apple store and pick it up. I will say it was a very seamless process. I literally just, I, I went in line. It was like 8 a.m. I got there. Everybody was super friendly. They offer you some coffee, some refreshments. Uh, store opens, you walk in, you get your phone. You basically don't have to worry about UPS shipping issues or delay issues because as long as you have a phone reserved uh, you know, at the store, if Apple says you have a phone to pick up, then you have a, a phone to pick up and you're good to go. I think there was one year though that you had an issue. Was it two years ago that like for some reason our local Apple store just didn't get their shipments in time, which was super weird. Yeah. Yeah. So there was hurricanes, I believe, on the East Coast and that affected all the shipping around. So it, what was interesting is, you know, the order said it was going to be available because for Apple, they assumed it was going to be available. There's no reason it wasn't. But because of a natural disaster, they didn't ha have any control over it. So, I mean, there's a ton of people that just, you know, they got their confirmation that the phone would be available, but it just wasn't. Of course, I'm crazy. So I'm pretty sure I got a phone that year too on the same day. I think I waited in line. But yeah, there. I mean, obviously, if it's like an act of God, they have no control over it, but usually if Apple says your phone is going to be available, it will be. And usually if you go the UPS route, it's it's usually going to come too. It's just UPS is uh, sometimes they're just known for not being super reliable. And, and you got to give them credit, like iPhone delivery season and especially iPhone launch day is just such a crazy logistical time for them. So I have had issues where like the driver doesn't show up or like they come late or stuff like that. But as long as you are patient and flexible and you're not like me when you're checking the macromers forums and then everybody trying to track <laughs> their phones and all that stuff, like I, one year, Matt, I would love to pre-order the phone and I'd love to not hear or watch or look at anything on it until it arrives. And just, I'm just going to sit back, relax and just let it come when it comes. Because every year I'm always on the Macromers forums. Everybody on there is getting everybody else worked up and we're all like, you know, talking about the phone. And then you have to go to UPS and you have to do the hacks. You can try to see if you can get your tracking number ahead <laughs> of time. And it's always a whole thing. So that's maybe this year will be the year that I'm just going to order and just let it go. Actually, no, last year, because I did do the store pickup, that was it. I, I literally just hit pre-order. Everything was fine. And I never thought about it again, which is really nice because I hated yeah. having to deal with the shipping. Yeah. And we're lucky that we live right across the street from an Apple yeah. store. We literally just go pick it up, walk in, stand in line for 20 minutes, get our phone. And it, it's pretty nice. I don't think uh, due to the nature of our job, we're able to be able to just order and never hear anything about the phone until it gets here. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but they've really streamlined it. It's not as hard as it used to be. Right. You know, you would think that the lines in front of the stores would be good press because it shows how many people like love your product or whatever. But it seemed that when Angela Aarons came in, she hated that and did not like that. Didn't want that to happen anymore. I think that has a lot to do with why 
the pre-order process is so so good now right and i guess it always there's always a little something in there about how popular the phone is so i think that the 11 pro that pre-order process was a little bit more intense than the 10s i remember man the 10 was insane because yeah, anytime apple makes some big change everybody's on there and if you were on the fence about whether or not you should upgrade it's a big year you probably should then people are on there going crazy but uh, the only year I had an issue was, like you said, the year they wouldn't let you do pre-orders for whatever reason. You just had to go and stand in line the day it was released. That was uh, the stupidest decision I I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know why that was the case. It was annoying. It was frustrating. Uh, and it just wasn't ideal. I, I don't know. That, that was my only frustration. I, Besides that, it's been totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, one one last thing on the pre-ordering process. I, I was trying to think of what, what was it like when I waited for the phone. And I remembered if you, for whatever reason, can't pre-order, like it just, it, you missed it, you fell asleep, you didn't stay up, whatever the case is, you just couldn't get your pre-order and it's going to ship in four weeks and you just can't handle that. The best thing to do is to go line up at the Apple store at the beginning of the day. So get there at like seven before they open, usually on a big opening day like this they open early so like at eight o'clock get there a little early you know wait in line yeah you're gonna have to wait in line it's gonna suck but <laughs> you'll do it but what they do now is instead of checking you out they'll just give you a ticket which says we have a phone for you this is the phone you're getting you can come back at a certain time and pick up your phone so say you know of course we all have to work so you have to go wait in line you'll get your ticket you can go to work not even think about it you got your phone after work go back to the apple store pick it up just as if you had your own reservation so it's definitely not as convenient but if you do forget to pre-order or you just can't for whatever reason you you still have hope if you want to get it on that first day and then of course i mean there's always something to be said it's not the end of the world if you don't get it on the first day <laughs> i think <laughs> we're the for, wrong for our job yeah. it's a little bit different but it's for the most part, like if you don't get on the first day, you'll survive. Or the wrong people to ask about this because of course we're going to be <laughs> exactly. Running. I will say, I think Apple does such a good job because they have this process so streamlined and so they've got it down to a science. You go there, there's two lines, whether you have a reservation or you don't. And then by time, are you an eight o'clock window or you're a nine o'clock window? Like they just, they're friendly, they're courteous, but like they are firm and like they'll make sure you go exactly where you're going to go. No one's going to cut. No one's going to pull oh, a yeah, fast no one's one. Cutting. You know, That's they, they've got this down and I, I think that that is uh that's a great part of this too and like matt said you know it's it's not the end of the world if you don't get your phone i will say it's a little bit tough with big releases because if you're not in that first wave usually it does take a week or two but it's not the end of the world it's all good but with all that being said if you want an iphone sc chances are you're probably not going to have much trouble finding one because uh it should be readily readily available though you cannot go to a store to buy one so maybe they're yeah, I'm actually curious if all of the sales yeah. are going to be online. I wonder if they're diverting more stock of what would have been in stores to online. Well, I mean, I think they kind of have to, right? Yeah. Like there is no in stores. So I, I would assume all of their stock is going to be online right now. I, I mean, why would they even ship to a store? There's no store no. to ship to. You know, what's going to be interesting is how many of these phones are they going to have? Because from all the rumors that we were hearing before, I mean, these phones have been ready for months. So, I mean, unless they, you know, kind of halted production on them because they they didn't need to make anymore presumably there's tons of these phones laying around and you also have to think that the the target audience for this phone is probably not going to be pre-ordering it so you have to think that most right. of these people are going to get them when stores reopen there's foot traffic back in uh you know uh cell carrier stores and apple stores like i feel like we you really can't judge this phone until a year down the line or at least six months because you got to give people time to get into the stores and you know look at them you know these are not tech savvy uh individuals who are going to wake up at 5 a.m to pre-order a phone that just probably is not the uh 
not the use case, not the market for this one. Right. But I mean, there also is something to be said here in the U.S. At least we just got our stimulus checks. Um, That's true. I think like basically half of the people who are getting one have already got it. And then like the other half is happening pretty soon here. And, you know, technically you're supposed to be spending that money. And when a new iPhone just got released, that's only, you know, a portion of the stimulus check. So, I mean, I could see people, even the normal everyday people saying like, hey, you know what? I do need a new phone. My phone cracked. I have this extra money that I wasn't going to spend. Yeah, I didn't have anyway, so might as well use it towards this. Now, are those people going to pre-order that? I don't think so. I think if you if you're one of those people that's like dying to get this phone for whatever reason, I don't know who those people are. <laughs> but if you are, I think you'll be okay in getting this phone. I agree. And yeah, you, you got a little extra money in your pocket. Why not get a new phone? So it's a stimulus check. It's supposed to be spent. You know, if you really think about it, so it's not the worst thing to do to you know upgrade your phone. Yeah, it's a good investment too. You're getting a really good phone for that price. <sighs> I, I think. Is there any any other final thoughts, Matt, on this iPhone I see? I feel like we have we have dissected it. We have, we have given our, in, our I guess uh, you know cliff notes of this episode is we really love it, and obviously we're going to have a bunch of coverage on it, and we got to play with it and test it. I'm really curious now with your note about the camera. I do really want to see camera tests with this and see is it a noticeable difference between uh, other iPhones? So yeah, especially compared to the iPhone eight, because if it's the same internals, how much does how much is that processor really doing? And I I think it's actually doing a lot. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see what it'll do with that same hardware you know before we go i i want to get your opinion on this there's a new uh rumor out from bloomberg that we're going to see these new airpods that are not in ear but over the ear so wireless headphones that go over your ear just like think beats um but they'll have these magnetically swappable accessories this is something that we haven't heard or haven't really even seen from anyone else what do you think this is what do you think that would be yeah i saw that rumor and i saw someone made a good point that maybe this was like that whole airpods pro light rumor we had heard forever like everyone's like oh they're gonna make another version of airpods pro but it's gonna be cheaper and no one really knew what that meant maybe it was actually right. referring to these i did see people saying that oh you know apple is gonna make kind of what what is it the power beats or beats x like the similar form factor to these uh, which one is uh-huh. it? uh people are like, uh, oh, the power power beats. beats people thought oh this is gonna be the replacement to those and apple's gonna kill beats but apparently that's not gonna happen i don't know regardless of that i think it's really cool the idea sounds cool i'm trying to think of I would buy them and I don't know if I would. I mean, the idea, I guess, is like if you're running around and you're using them for uh, sports, that this would be the better option. But I mean, I don't know. I'd be willing to look at anything and try it out, but it doesn't exactly pique my interest. It could be a little bit cheaper, which could be nice. But I don't know, Matt. What do you think? Are you are you excited to see these things? So, so you're saying, I'm a little confused. So you're saying this rumor, people are saying that this rumor of this this over-the-ear headphone is not that, but actually something like the Beats X. Is that what you're saying? That's what I had seen. I had seen that it was going to be something like the Beats X, and they were going to use this plus whatever AirPods Pro over the ears. Like, there was going to be this whole new line of AirPods, basically audio accessories, that was going to essentially cannibalize Beats, and Apple was going to use this as kind of a transition point, though. Maybe we're talking about two different rumors. Yeah, the rumor I was talking about is the -the over-the-ear headphones. Which, I mean, I guess they kind of go hand in hand because, like you were saying, there is this rumor that once they kind of have their line filled out that they're just going to kill off Beats, which is interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers on Beats are. I don't know if they have that separated out. I think it's included in their, like, their accessories or whatever. I can see them killing Beats, although I think Beats are still incredibly popular. I think so, too. They're... I, 
like any kind of normal person, when you kind of see they have headphones, a lot of times they're Beats. They're either AirPods or they're Beats. Will they hurt themselves by doing that? Also for these over-the-ear headphones, like how high-end are we going? Yeah. Because, you know, AirPods are kind of seen as the more high-end version of the Beats lines. You would think the Apple version kind of taking its cue from the HomePod, which is incredibly expensive for a speaker that, you know, it sounds great. Don't get me wrong, but it's incredibly expensive for its category. It's the most expensive. So like, is that what we're going to get for these over-the-ear headphones? It's the most expensive, but also, you know, great right. for over-the-ear headphones, which is saying a lot because the Bose 700s are 400 bucks. So are we looking at like $700 headphones here? Or That's what I'm trying to figure out. Are these are going to be like $500, which, okay, so you got to imagine that Apple's going to take all the stuff they've learned from the HomePods and put them on your, you know, in these headphones. So it's basically like you have two HomePods on either side of your ear. And I'm sure that the, the math and the algorithm work and all that stuff is going to make it sound really good. But I'm looking at kind of the headphones I use, which are these Sony, I don't know what the you know what the model number is like they're like the tried and true X something like the yeah, yeah like yeah. The, the, the you know they're sony's noise canceling headphones and like the bose these are two reputable brands that have been at this for a while that make very good over the uh, ear noise canceling headphones I, I obviously i like apple i love what they do i there's no doubt that they're probably going to sound incredible but as we've talked about before, I'm not much of a headphone person. When I'm sitting on my desk, I typically have my Razer speakers that I use. If I'm going on long trips, I'll take the Sonys. For most short trips, I use the AirPod, uh, AirPods Pro. So I think it's interesting. I'm not sure if I, maybe I'm just not the market for it. I, I don't know if I'd really uh, be interested, let alone spending five, 600 bucks. Uh, I'd probably pass. Yeah, I'm kind of like you. I don't wear headphones that often, like over-the-ear headphones. But, you know, I have those situations where I want them, like you said, like going on a long flight, which I don't do that often, but I do it enough to justify owning a pair of good over-the-ear noise-canceling mm -hmm. headphones. But here's the thing. I already have those. So what is this going to do that's going to make me want them? Or, or of course, I'm going to want them because I want everything. So what are they? What, what's it going to do that's going to justify me actually buying them? If it's 500 bucks, that's going to be a tough sell. If it's 350 like the Bose or the, you know, the Beat Studio, which is kind of, I guess, what this would be replacing. The Beat Studio 3 are 350 bucks. In theory, they're basically going to be the same thing. So if it's if it's that price range, then, I, you know, I'm more compelled because I can either sell my current headphones or I can I can at least justify it in my head that 350 bucks might be worth it. What's interesting is that, you know, they're saying it's going to have some type of magnetic attachments to it. So, okay, actually, you know, I'm reading this rumor right here and I see I see the rumor where we were a little confused earlier. So the rumor includes two. So we're going to have this over-the-ear headphone and also a fitness-focused model that is lighter. But what it's saying here, just from my reading, is that this rumor is actually for the over-the-ear headphones. But what you'll do is you'll actually be able to magnetically replace, say, the ear cups. So you'll have one that's, you know, leather, that's great and comfortable for when you want to just listen to music and relax, but you'll be able to swap them out to get kind of more fitness focus that are breathable and don't, you know, absorb all the sweat and start smelling after three runs and that are lighter. So that you can actually use these headphones for multiple purposes because, you know, think about that. That's actually a smart idea. I see people running around with Beats all the time, like the over-the-ear head ones, and I, I don't really understand why they don't seem comfortable to me to be running and sweating in, but people do it. So like, kind of similar to the Apple Watch where you can swap out the bands and, you know, you get this sport model or you get the leather band for when you're going out. I think it's actually smart for a pair of headphones. That does actually make sense. And that is kind of a little bit more compelling just because 
you know, you can have that option. Okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to sit at my desk. You know, a lot of these people who are working like these open office concepts, you really do need a good pair of headphones. And then you can basically swap those out. I'm assuming, you know, obviously because they're larger, probably going to have outstanding battery life. Um, You know, I don't know. That's a very compelling option. I do love the AirPods, though, just because I don't have to have anything over my head. Like I can take these in and out of my ears so easily. I love also the portability of AirPods, and AirPods that's Pro. The main that's the big case thing. For me. Yeah. So I think that if, I mean, obviously we're going to want it. I'm, I can't wait to look at it and see what <laughs> Apple's going to have. But I feel like if you're like someone who like works in like a, you work in an open office during the day and then you leave from there and go straight to the gym, totally makes sense. Uh, but yeah. as someone who is not a huge over the ear headphone person, I might be more inclined just to keep my AirPods because they're good enough. But I, I'm curious. We'll see. I, I'm curious to see what these magnetic if it's just ear cups, if they're going to have special attachments, uh, that is unknown right now, but that is super interesting. It could lead to something cool. Yeah. And here are really the questions, I think, as I'm thinking about this. Here's the questions I want answered, and if the answers are correct, then I'll be very interested. How am I going to charge them? Is it going to be USB-C or is it going to be lightning? Either of those, whatever, it's fine, I guess, but I want a better way to charge them. That's the thing I hate about my Bose, and I have the Surface headphones. I had the Sonys for a little while, and they're great. And the battery life is actually really good. 24 hours of battery life is excellent. But at some point you have to charge them and plugging them in is just such a pain. So, you know, is there going to be some wireless charging option? I'm, I'm assuming the case is not going to have a battery, but maybe the case will have a battery. You know, there's there's some uh, interesting takes here that I would like to see the answer to. And again, like you said, are those just going to be ear cup attachments? Maybe there'll be some style attachments, like different colors you could put to the outside and you can like switch them out depending on your outfit or something like that. And just overall, how big are they going to be and how good are they going to sound? These are the questions I need answered. And if Ample answered them correctly, then I'm interested again. But if it's if it's kind of just like a rebranded Beats, then I'm not too interested. I don't, it's not too exciting to me. That's the other thing too, is like I feel like every time, I, I love these Sony headphones, but every time I put them in the case, it's like an origami challenge to like get them folded up just <laughs> right to get them in this case. I, I hope that Apple, obviously, I'm sure this is like top priority is like, I love the AirPods, just they go in the case. I don't think about it. I don't have to turn them off. I don't have to turn them on. I don't have to fold them up. I need something that's very easily uh, easily packed and unpacked uh, that'll travel well. And that's something that I, I can't wait to see what they come up with because it seems like every pair of these over-the-ear headphones are nice, but they're just a pain to unfold, fold, to stow away, to pack. And the cases are usually relatively large, so... We'll see. Yeah. And, and this this is supposed to be rumored to be released later this year. Although I will say, Apple, if it's ready, announce it now. This is the perfect time. People would buy these when they have to work at home. Right. You got your kids yelling in the background. You could just put on these beautiful noise-canceling headphones. I think they would sell. I'm curious if AirPods, uh, AirPods Pro sales have gone up because people have been working at home or or not. I mean, I don't, I don't know. More people are understanding their webcams suck, though, on their Mac. So that's... Yeah, everyone understands that being a YouTuber is not as easy as it seems. That's true. (laughs) You're not going to just instantly look good on camera. Exactly. But I mean, I'm looking here and I don't really see much else. I think this year is still the year of this product is supposed to come out, but it's going to come out at some point in the future. So we had that with the SE. It's finally out. We're still expecting things like the AirTags. Mm -hmm. We're expecting these, uh, you know, these over-the-ear headphones. I think we're going to be in a little bit of a lull until uh, the iPhone 12, which luckily, I mean, really isn't that too far away and according to everything we've seen it's still relatively on schedule for you know coming out despite everything else that's going on in the world 
Right. I think the iPhone 12 is going to be exciting. Hopefully we finally see AirTags. Hopefully we see a new MacBook Pro, like you said. Stuff is around the corner, but it's going to be probably a long couple of months uh, in Apple land without a lot new because we're really not expecting much until WWDC, which I guess is only two months away. But until then, it's going to be a, a little bit of a lull, but we'll try to bring you all the the special episodes and the great the greatest content we can find uh, on, <laughs> we'll on this podcast. Oh, we, we've got we've got tons. I, uh, one of these days, I, I do want to do a, an episode on apps because I feel like the Mac apps I have are stale, the iPhone apps I have are stale. I feel like I need new apps and I find it harder and harder these days to find new apps that are really good. So maybe we'll do an episode on that uh, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting episodes that we can come up with that I think especially would benefit from having some uh, listener input, especially something like that app. So thanks everyone for uh, listening in and hopefully you enjoyed it. We got many of these to come so far. I mean, you know, we're back and we haven't missed a week yet. (laughs) So, uh, So that is good. That's right, Matt. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next week on the next episode of the Apple Circle Podcast.